Hello and welcome everyone to Two Real Cinema Club. My name is Andres Lorente. I'm coming to you from Portland, Maine in the United States, and I am with Dr. James Rizika. Hello. Hello. I'm James Rizika, uh, and uh, I'm coming to you live from South London. Uh, not nearly as glamorous and exciting. So uh, every episode we uh, watch two movies, an old movie and a new movie, and we try to connect the dots. A little bit like uh, the uh, my favourite puzzle when I was a preschooler of joining dots to dots. I used to love doing that, but this is, we only have two dots. Um, this episode, we have watched two Pedro Almodovar movies. Um, his new picture, Parallel Mothers, out last year, currently in cinemas in the UK. And then we also watched All About My Mother uh, from 1999. And we're going to see whether we can join up any of the dots here. Uh, do you think Do you think we'll find anything in common between these two films? Jimmy, there are so many dots to connect between these two films. I mean, they both have mothers in them. How many films, how many pairs of films have both have mothers in them, I ask you? I did get to the end of these films and wonder whether whether we just watched the same film twice. I don't know. <laughs> yes, which like it's like a it's it's a a gentle, soft, affectionate remix of each other. I think so. Um, so let's let's kick off with the new film sure. that you can go and see in cinemas now. So, so Parallel Mothers. It's um, last year's our model of our picture. It stars Penelope Cruz in I think her eighth picture with um, Al Modavar. It's a modern film um, set in contemporary Spain, um, which is. Um, which straddles two stories. So there is um, a bookend story about Janice, uh, Yanis, who is uh, Penelope Cruz's character. She's a photographer. She takes some pictures of a, a famous archaeologist whose job is to unearth um, uh, war graves from the Spanish Civil War. Um, and uh, they have a very brief affair. And then uh, at the end of the movie... Um, her lover Arturo here. He um, he excavates a war grave uh, in Yanis's uh, hometown, and uh, they unearth um, eight corpses that were killed by the fascists in the nineteen twenties or nineteen thirties. And um, that's like this kind of the A story, and that takes about fifteen percent of the movie. But between those two, Yanis um, she has um, a baby by Arturo. Uh, there's a, a lovely bit of a jump cut where they go straight from. Uh, making love by a billowing white window mm. um, with a curtain in it to then suddenly giving birth. Yanis um, shares a room with Anna, who is uh, like a teenage single mother. Um, and the two women form a bit of a bond. They both have their babies on the same day. They both take their babies home, but they stay in contact. Um, and after Yanis takes her baby home, things are not exactly what they see. Mm -hmm. And the two women have a, a complex and evolving relationship um i'm not going to say more than that because mm. i feel very aware that i might spoil some of the best moments of the film for people who haven't seen it but there's a lot of, of um great revelations and um you know an exciting fun plot points although i do worry that the, the plot points feel a little bit soapy sometimes mm. you know there's a lot of emotional story that happens but it's sometimes a little bit so convenient and melodramatic that you wonder whether this owes more to soap than it does to uh, to cinema I, th I think that's an um, interesting point i'll just interrupt because i think uh almodovar himself has kind of changed a lot over the years i remember i remember some of the earlier films as being so 
definitely comedy, you know? And I think uh, by the time he gets to Parallel Mothers, it's much more dramatic, as is you know, even 20 years ago. I mean, this guy's been making films for probably 40 years, 40-plus 40 years. And I, for, I think the first 10 or 15 years, things like um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown or, or uh, Matador or um, What Have I Done to Deserve This struck me as more comedy. And I think he's he's become more serious with age and... I agree with you there. More dramatic, and at times in both of these films, there's some melodrama too. Now, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know Amadovo very yeah. well. I was racking my brains to try to remember what other pictures of his, his I have seen, and the only one I can remember definitely seeing is Talk to Her, mm-hmm. uh, which also has a strong medical bent. Yes. Um, but otherwise, I have a big gap in my, you know, in my um, my contemporary European cinema knowledge here, and he is you know, by far Spain's most prominent contemporary filmmaker. Um, so I feel embarrassed to say that I, I, it's, it's hard for me to um, to put these two films into some perspective because I haven't seen very much of his other pictures. Do you find it soapy, Parallel Mothers? Um, not, not actually. There are a couple moments in um, All About My Mother that I think are soapier. Um, but okay. there were definitely, I think, some um, highly dramatic moments. Um, and I think whenever you get into this realm of almost, just almost unbelievable things happening again and again in the same film, um, that sort of becomes soap opera. When you think of soap opera, you know, uh, these are you know shows with seasons and seasons of episodes, and they, there always has to be something big that happens in just about every episode or a couple in every episode in order to keep it going. Um, so I think he does that a little bit in this film. There, I said you said you didn't want to let on too much, but there's kind of an unbelievable amount of chance and <laughs> and uh, interesting and intriguing uh, plot points in this film. Even though it's not, you know, it's not an action film, but there are plenty of uh, chance encounters and uh, uh, moments that sort of lend it towards soap opera. I think I did come away from the film feeling initially like it was very much a film of two parts that there's this outer story about um the legacy of fascism mm-hmm. and there's the inner story about um women having babies and uh, reflecting on all the changes that that brings and um how that affects how you see the world and how you see yourself and how um you know one simple change can make everything turn upside down yeah. um it took me you know a lot of thinking to figure out why these two stories belonged together. Um, it almost felt to me initially like um, I wanted to make a movie about the legacy of fascism, but wasn't able to find enough story mm. um, to, 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 to keep at that for more than 15 or 20 minutes. So then it reverted to his you know, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown milieu yeah. to fill in the gaps. And it took me a long time to figure out that I think actually, no, they are. Um, the same story and they do belong together and it occurred to me um, just the other day I think the underlying theme of this film which ties both of these stories together is revelation it's about unearthing a hidden secret and you know the secret is different Mm -hmm. in the two cases but actually the mechanism is kind of the same so um, although you know the 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 fascist graves um get unearthed you know archaeologically by brushing away the layers and carefully measuring the the spaces that have been left the revelations that happen about you know the interaction between uh Yanis and anna's babies 
happens much the same way. It's about brushing away the layers and gradually turning over new details and about bringing what is hidden out into the light. Um, but I was very slow to cotton on to the, um, the similarities that they had when I first saw the films. But I think now that I finally realised that, I think actually it's a pretty brilliant bit of storytelling. It's, um, you know, it's a clever, uh, very um, light-handed form of metaphor. Um, and, uh, and, you know, shows a great deal of restraint, actually. So I think for that, um, it was a little bit different to what I expected. Um, what little I know of Almodovar, I was expecting something very over the top. And it, and it does have um, quite a lot of his normal tropes. I made a little list here mm -hmm. in my notebook of um, some of the motifs from this film. Sure. And we might come back to this list in a minute. So I've written down medical setting. Yep. Um, uh, I've written down uh, interior colours, especially red and orange. Mm -hmm. I've written, there are no men of any consequence. Yep. Um, there is vomiting, which apparently happens in a lot of his films. <laughs> I was going to mention that, yes. <laughs> there is a, a, an older woman who is an actor. Yep. Um, there is a, a story of sexual assault. There is a prominent LGBT story. Um, and also there is this kind of very, this fascinating fetishization of objects, which I wasn't quite prepared for. Um it's like he shoots the film as if he were previously um, a product photographer for Vogue or Apple or something like mm. that. It takes an, an awful lot of interest in small, tiny physical details. It's like fruit um, or a bowl. Um, uh, and there's a scene even where Penelope Cruz's character does some product photography and the kind of photographs that she takes fit perfectly into the, 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 the photographic... Yeah. Um, vocabulary of the film it's just an extension of the of the the cinematography um i wasn't quite prepared for his interest in small close-up objects it's fascinating yeah i'm glad you pointed that out and i think that uh penelope cruz's character of janice she does that exactly right she ends up Almost as a as a a letdown for her, she ends up sort of taking on any photographic job, and she does start doing sort of product photography and food photography. Uh, whereas the beginning, she meets Arturo because he's this, uh, I guess, famous anthropologist. So she's doing a portraiture kind of session, but um, he does that, and it's and maybe he's drawing attention to the fact that he does that by having her go through the same experience. So she ends up doing the same yeah. kind of work. Um, I think it is a beautiful film, isn't it? I mean, I thought it's it's interesting comparing it to, to All About My Mother because um, that film clearly shot on film mm -hmm. and Parallel Mothers very clearly shot on digital. And although it's a beautiful film and, and there's some great colours, uh, you know, and, and Madrid looks fantastic and the food looks great yeah. and the interiors look great. Um, there is something about the digital photography that does sometimes make it look a little bit like television. Um, and... Um, you know, maybe that's part of what gives it that soap opera feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a couple of other interesting um, uh, cinematic tricks that he does. Um, I tell you, one th clear theme of this film is everybody in this film wants to sleep with Penelope Cruz, mm -hmm. including the camera, I think. Yeah. You know, all of the characters, even the baby, wants to sleep with Penelope Cruz, and so does the camera. It, you know, the, the camera... Um, loves homing in on her. Yep. There's a number of shots where they do this curious digital fade and she is on on screen with some of the other characters and all of the other ones fade out except for her and she's kind of left as the only lit character just for a few seconds. 
Um, and I don't know whether that's um, a common cinematic theme for him or whether it's something that he wanted to do this time round, but it's stuck in my mind, actually. It's an interesting use of photography in this film. That certainly that elevates it above the televisual. Yeah. What, what was the standout scene for you? What, stu- what stuck out? Um, the thing that stuck out for me was um, this one moment, and it, it because it's uh, an exception, basically. I, I agree with you. I think the, the film is just beautiful, and it seems effortless somehow. I think he's so good now that this is not hard for him to do. I don't think he has difficulty making films, and you, you can see it. It, it all fall, you know, falls together very well. It's all shot very beautifully. The scene that sets out is the one moment where there's something of a money shot and it looks kind of ridiculous it's when they're driving into the countryside towards the excavation site for the first time uh there's a drone shot or something of them speeding through in this little sport utility vehicle and just it stands out because it's just not Almodovar it's this bizarre (laughs) little money shot and there aren't money shots in either one of these films so that's the thing that stands out because he's trying to do something that I guess would be more hip and, and more present day when he doesn't need to do it um Otherwise, I uh, I just I thought it held together really beautifully. I thought it was fantastic, um, and uh, I think he he lingers on Penelope Cruz because she does a great job in the film, and she's sort of the central figure. And this this, this film has to have a central figure because you've got these these different storylines. Um, and All But My Mother has a bit more of a group uh, feeling than Parallel Mothers. It's, Parallel Mothers is really Penelope Cruz's film. I think it is. It, it is her picture. I think that the 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 scene that I um really took home with me actually after seeing the film was um it's like almost a hitchcockian sequence where um penelope cruz's character she does a series of like blood tests or other they're kind of their cheek swabs um and uh there's these kind of very deliberate you know quite emotional scenes where she gets the results and she looks at them on the computer and it's just this um this silent detective work Mm -hmm. that she does trying to unearth the truth and she's not doing it with a brush but with a mouse the camera even lingers on her finger on the yeah. mouse um you know that, that kind of there I, I really remember that scene very vividly it's yeah. a beautiful bit of storytelling yeah there are a couple um, scenes great yeah he does that in a couple scenes too it's not it's in very early in the film she's on the computer doing something and um draws a lot of attention to her fingers on the mouth mouse um i think one I've, one thing that really struck me was um and again this is the sort of the growth of the the, the director, the filmmaker here, is that I, there's a one moment where in, as recently as 2007, I don't know if you saw Bolver, which is another film with Penelope Cruz. Oh. So that's a, he has darker moments in the past. And there's a, there's a scene in there where she has to kill an abusive uh, lover or partner. And there's a moment in Parallel Mothers where she's about to sort of lose her baby to another character and for just a moment, it feels like murder is an option there. And it's there's even mm. a musical cue at that moment. I hope you know what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, so I, do. I think in yes. it, and it fits in perfectly with the whole uh, burial scene because that she ends up burying a body in Volver. And it, it he gives himself that option. It's never going to happen in this film, but the option is there. And for a moment, I thought, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She's going to go bury the. The, the, her her victim out with the the other dead people in her hometown that the fascists killed. Um, that option was there, and even musically, the cue was taking us there a little bit. But he doesn't do it because it's a, it's an older Amadovar who's not going to kill off a character like that. But it was for a split second, it was an option, and it it came to my brain thinking, oh, he has done this in the past, um, but he doesn't do it here, and it's it would have been inappropriate, but 
it was there for the taking if you wanted to. So just to tantalize the audience with the possibility there yeah. is exciting though, isn't it? It's yeah. fantastic. I did make a little note. I wrote um uh Bernard Herman style score. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is which is just what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's fantastic. Which is and it's by um some guy Iglesias, isn't it? Who I want oh, yeah. he's not he's not related to Julio Iglesias, isn't it? The the um I, 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 if I were a cleverer man, yeah. I would have looked at something that's, before we started recording. That's a good but, question. Um, we can we can look it up. Um, we can look it up. Yeah. We'll look at the, we'll look that up. <laughs> but, but I do think, um, yeah, the score is outstanding in this film. Actually, there's there's an awful lot to enjoy here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the one other thing I really wanted to point out, which is in my um, my slow moving sludge like brain, mm-hmm. trying to figure out um, why the story fit together. Um, I realise that this film does at least it has um, one of my favourite plot points, um, you know, which you see again and again in the film. But I always feel um, shortchanged if I don't see this in a film. Um, I think this is you know most, one of the most essential, fundamental little bits of storytelling. I think probably we'll come back to this again in the future. I think you know you don't really have a story or you don't really have a film if you don't have this plot point, which is somebody making a choice. Mm. Penelope Cruz, she has a, a choice to tell Anna, who's the, the teenage mother, yeah. an important fact or not. Yep. Um, and it's the fact that, you know, she entertains this choice and she chooses what to do. That's what creates a story. Yeah. Um, and I feel, you know, too often um, I, I see dissatisfying films where the characters, you know, they go on some kind of big old journey and they go from A to B and lots of things happen. But nobody actually really makes a choice at any point through the film. Yeah. You know, and that's the death of drama. I think, you know, the, the the crux of a human story is somebody making a choice. Good, yeah, um, good point. And how how does that affect uh, other people? I think is exactly what, that's the immediate circumstance and or consequence. And you can always look back and think, oh, if only I'd chosen this, or yeah. you know, these terrible things have happened, but it's what I chose. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's this is where drama comes yeah. from. I love to see people make choices. Precisely. It astonishes me when you see a film that doesn't have people making choices. Yeah. And he gets tension out of that. That's the thing is that yeah. that that choice could have come much earlier. It possibly could have come a little later. It doesn't. It comes right where it does. And similar to All About My Mother, this is about very small communities of people getting together to make things work as opposed to letting that tension just drive them absolutely crazy. So um, there's something very, I think, adult or very mature about that. That it doesn't lead to, yeah. maybe it's about the characters that he writes about, maybe it's about the director himself, but it's not where things could very easily spill out of control, up, as I said before, to the point of murder, potentially, um, but characters coming together to um, make things work. Yeah, it's not facile, is it, this film? It's it's mature and adult, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like you know, it's, a, it's a film about adults made for adults. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And I think you, and that's, yeah, again, fantastic. so there might be a th- theme that uh, is an Almodovar theme. You mentioned you had your great list there, and I would add to that um, uh, mothers who face loss in both films and in many of his films, um, living together out of necessity, like forming these communities oh. to overcome things. So in both films, someone has to move in with someone else just to just to sort of get by or to improve the, the group situation. Um, and then I think, as you said, fathers who just don't know their children, don't acknowledge their children. Um, yeah. Those are all themes that um, crop up in a lot of his films, I think. Right. Well, let's, let's, have, let's take a quick break sure. and then let's, let's flick to the B-side. Absolutely. Or maybe it's the A-side. And, and we'll talk about um, all about my mother. Perfect.
And we are back. And Jimmy, I want to just go back quickly to uh, Parallel Mothers, and I can perhaps bring the two films together a little bit. I think that's a film that he that Elmodovar could not have made 20 years ago. He couldn't have made it in 1999 um, because I think a lot of the the uh, Franco fallout and the, 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 the coming to terms with the fascism of, of Spain just couldn't be dealt with as much in uh, 1999 as it was in 2021. So it's kind of an interesting yeah, Interesting, thing. okay. Yeah, I don't think that film's possible earlier, so I think he had to wait longer. But I, think, I, I agree with you that I think he pieced those... Um, those two pieces, that historical context and the the film about um, you know identity and uh, uncovering certain truths, um, you pieced it together pretty well. I must interestingly, you 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 talk about the place of the film in history because I would argue, and I'm sure you would probably agree that you probably couldn't make all about my mother today, or if you did, it would be quite it would look it would look and feel quite different. I think. Um, you were saying, so you, had you seen All About My Mother before, or was this the first time you watched it? I saw it probably soon after it came out. I think it it's 1999. Um, I think it came to the States probably 2000 or 2001. It took a little while, I remember. Um, so I did see it then. Was not as impressed with it as the younger man that I was, uh, than I was impressed with it this time around. So I did enjoy it more. Um, and then I was just on a flight uh, back from Los Angeles. I could have seen it again on the airplane, but I figured, I don't know, I don't need to see it that many times, do I? But uh, I did enjoy it more, and I might as well go into the story a little bit here. Um, there, There's some doctoring questions for you here, Jimmy, because um, it starts yeah. with a transplant of some sort, and Manuela, who's our protagonist, is a nurse. She Apparently she deals just with the transplants. Um it's hard to say, but she's a nurse. And then her son, Esteban, is an aspiring writer. Um, he writes about his own mother a little bit, hence all about my mother. Um, there's an excerpt on a TV for All About Eve. Yeah. Some serious connections between that film <laughs> and, uh, and, and the life of uh, Manuela and Esteban. Um, or Manuela's life in particular. Um, she's she was an actress. It turns out Manuela, um, and she even acts in an organ transplant video that Esteban's very interested to to watch happen uh, in production. Uh, so Esteban's about to turn eighteen, I believe. There's a very direct foreshadowing of him almost getting hit by a car um, as he's going out to see a streetcar named Desire um, as his eighteenth birthday present. So. There's a lot of touchstone stuff with those two um, works of art, all about Eve yeah. and Streetcar Named Desire. Um, and Manuela has promised to tell Esteban the truth of his father after they see this play together. Um, but Esteban is killed shortly after trying to get the autograph of the lead actress in um, A Streetcar Named Desire. And his heart is sort of donated, and Manuela's in this deep mourning stage. She goes down to another city called Coruña, uh, to sort of see the recipient of Esteban's heart. I don't know how she tracks him down, but she's able to see that this heart went into this older man. And uh, as you said, there's a lot of medicine in this. I mean, maybe we should have you talk about some of the medicine after we finish with this one a little bit more. But um, like his next film, I think after this is Talk to Her, which you've already mentioned, also very interesting yeah. in medicine. Very medical, yeah. Um, so that's sort of the end of the first act. Manuela decides to go to Barcelona to try and find Esteban's father and tell him that um, uh, he that Esteban has died. Um, and she immediately sort of uh, intervenes in the sexual assault 
where the victim happens to be an old friend of hers named Agrado. Um, and I think Manuela and the character who we're going to call Lola from here on out, which Lola is actually Esteban's father. Um, uh, they're from Argentina, um, but she tracks them down. She tracks down Agrado in Barcelona. Uh, we see Sister Rose, that is Penelope Cruz's um, part. Uh, she's a nun, and she's pregnant. And, and looking incredibly young, isn't yeah, she, yeah. in this film? <laughs> yes, so she's probably, this is 20 years ago, she's probably early 20s or mid-20s at most. Um, so it is, these are two parts for Penelope Cruz, you know, basically a lifetime apart almost, like a generation yeah. apart, so it's very interesting. Um, she has a smaller, smaller role. She's definitely not the protagonist in the film, but she does have a very important role. Um, Manuela sort of ends up living in or staying in Barcelona. She is able to see the streetcar named Desire um, performance again with Umo, the famous actress, um, and they sort of connect over Esteban's death because Umo remembers him trying to get an autograph. Um, and Manuela even has to... She sort of starts to work for Umo, and she actually takes a part. One night she has to replace uh, Nina, who's Umo's partner, in sort of in life, but also in this play. Stella knows Streetcar perfectly. She's been watching it, so she steps in. It's a clear reference to All About Eve. It <laughs> seems like Manuela's going to take over Nina's life and Nina's part. Um, but more important to Manuela is just um, figuring out the story of Lola, her, I guess, ex-partner. Man, he's a transgender woman. Um, and Rosa, Penelope Cruz's character, is uh, um, having, she's pregnant with um, Lola's baby, so obviously you can see how confused <laughs> things are getting. Uh, Rosa has AIDS, that she contracted from Lola. It gets a little bit melodramatic here, but especially uh, towards the end. But um, So then Agrada takes Manuela's job with Humo, and Rosa, this community theme, Rosa has to move in with Manuela because she's sort of in trouble with her parents for... Um, being pregnant and being a nun at the same time. Kind of similar to Parallel Mothers, where another character moves in with uh, with Penelope Cruz's right, character. yeah. Um, a lot of traveling theater actors in both. I think you've already mentioned that. Um, Rosa says at one point, so this is sort of the theme stated, the baby will belong to both of us. Uh, it's another bit of foreshadowing. Um, and you get this theme that parenthood is really difficult, but it's worth it. Um, there's an important monologue where Agrado has to sort of kill time at the theater or pre perform one night because neither Nina, who's sort of strung out on heroin, nor Humo can perform that night. And Agrado is this uh, transgender woman who has had a lot of surgeries and done a lot of work. And the theme there is that you're more authentic when you become the person you dream you are, even if you need a lot of plastic surgery to get there. And I think it, we could just replace a lot of plastic surgery with a lot of work uh, to get there. <laughs> I thought that was the standout scene, by the way. That was, yeah. that's again, that was the one scene which really stayed with me at the end yeah. of the movie. It's a great yeah. scene of just just her face as she explains her life story. She's very witty and engaging. It's and she's a wonderful um, character, very lively scene. and uh, entertains the audience, but also really I think nails one of the themes. I don't know if that's the the, the principal theme that uh, Almodovar is going for, but it's definitely there. Um, Manuela is sort of just really put together and functional throughout all this madness and. Uh, Rosa's uh, baby's born, and that sort of brings her peace with her mother, and she's able to say goodbye to her. Um, her father's experiencing dementia or something like that. Um, but Rosa dies. She's got um, she's um, contracted uh, AIDS, so she's dying. 
she doesn't make it through the birth, as far as I can tell. I think that's what it was. That's the implication. I think they sort of cut away yeah, from it. I was a bit confused by yeah. that, but yeah, the baby emerges. We never see Rosa exactly. again. Exactly. It? Yeah, so it's kind of just assumed. Um, but Lola comes to the funeral and reunites with Manuela, and she's able to tell him the news that his older son has died, um, that he didn't even know he had a son. Um, but he says he's a, he has AIDS and he's dying also, but now he has this younger son with uh, Penelope Cruz's character. That's the, uh, It's a really heavy melodramatic scene. I think it's a little <laughs> heavy-handed, um, but it is, it's kind of beautiful. So Manuel is able to reunite, reunite Lola with both of his sons, in a sense. He's got a picture of Esteban, and then he's also got a chance to hold the new baby, which is also Esteban. Mm. Um and that's sort of where the film ends. There's this dedication to mothers and actresses and men becoming women. And um, at the final, um, the music is very Chinatown at times. It's wrong. I think oh. we talked about the music in the other film, but there's some times here where I think this is a, a noir film. Um, and it's very misplaced, I think. It's my opinion. Um, <laughs> one of the key scenes, and, and this, uh, I'll open this up as a chance for you to talk about some medical stuff because um, baby Esteban in one scene Manuela takes him away I think to Madrid and back it's this train in train out kind of scene um, that covers two years of time or something like that and then um, Manuela says to some of the the Agrado and Humo back in Barcelona that baby Esteban has negativized the AIDS virus he's healthy um, and, and and he's going to live, uh, I guess, AIDS-free. And I, I just didn't understand that very well. I mean, I'm not a medical guy, so negativized. That's the word, the verb that they used in Spanish was that's, negative. That's the actual Spanish. Yeah. I, I will tell you, it's, this is not my specialty, so I know. <laughs> um, that's the short answer. Okay. Um, but it, it didn't seem, it, it didn't seem like the most implausible part of the film mm-hmm. that, that um, and and you know and certainly I think it is possible for um, for you uh, to ha- to to be an HIV positive woman and then have an HIV negative okay. baby. Okay. Um, I would not like to speculate further on that okay. because a professional <laughs> colleague uh, emails me angrily and says that I've said the wrong thing. <laughs> so so I yeah I don't know about that. It just felt like a little a metaphor for hope. Perfect. Um, Good. Yeah, that's about all I can say. I did. I've made. I made a little list watching this film yep. of some of the motifs Good. of the film, and I've written down medical setting, mm-hmm. <laughs> interior colours, especially red, a <laughs> lot of red, sexual violence, LGBT themes, yeah. um, puking up. Yeah. Because Nina, the lover, is 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 kind of there's a scene about where you know because she takes her heroin, she pukes up oh. afterwards. Um, an older woman who is an actor. Yeah. Uh, there are no men of any consequence. <laughs> I've exactly the same list as the last time, and I have to—I have to admire a filmmaker who can be so consistent. Yeah. Well done, mm. well done. Um, you know, strangely, for an hour mod of our film, I came away with actually a feeling that this was quite a restrained film mm. in many ways. Yeah. I felt like. There are so many events and there's so much that happens in this film that quite a lot of things were left on the table, which could have been explored you know, much more melodramatically. The whole issue about the organ donation, you know, which is, I guess, revisited in Talk to Her, you know, that's kind of that's picked up and it's just very gently left left to one side, isn't it? The film you know, hints that maybe Manuela will track down Esteban's organs and try to find out about the lives of the people who receive them. But no, that's you know, that's that's. You know, gently waved across the screen and then sort of taken a, taken aside, isn't yeah. it? There's the whole issue about um, Rosa, the nun, and her um, her feelings about the church. 
you know, again, which is all just kind of very gently laid, laid aside. The wonderful scene where Penelope Cruz first appears and she cheerfully tells Moanwella, oh, I'm going to go to El Salvador soon to replace a bunch of nuns who've been murdered. Yes. <laughs> It's, you know, it's such a great way to introduce your character. Yeah. And yet that whole thing is, is, again, it's gently laid aside. She becomes pregnant and we don't really talk about the church very much anymore. It's you know, it's not a big deal. Um, so in a way, many of the themes that could have been very heavily handed um, and and um, hammered home, you know, are, are left on the table. It's a, it's a, a picture of restraint. Uh, yes, um, I agree with you entirely. And that's... Um... That's just something that Almodovar has really miraculously done is that he's taken a lot of things that used to be provocative or still are provocative, and he just makes them seem very ordinary. He allows us to accept all these kind of crazy characters. They're transgendered people. They're people who are um, not married. They're having sex. They're having babies. You've got a nun having a baby in this film. And it's like all of that just, there are no major reactions. Like everyone accepts all of that. Um, including it's gloriously progressive yeah it? it's very very progressive and I th- you know in some ways he's definitely he was well beyond his time I think in the late 70s and early 80s when he was making films but uh, he's taken us to a place consistently where we accept these characters they're, they're, there's nothing perverse about them um, they are with us they're mainstream and they should be treated with respect and a lot of the the themes in both films are a lot of caring loving people coming together and I think in some ways it reduces like real conflict and real tension, but it humanizes the characters. And I think it sort of humanizes yeah. the audience as well. And I, th- I think he's done that successfully. There's this idea, um, I'm, I'm sure, I, I, uh, certainly something that people you know, did talk about when you and I were at film school together. And I've sort of you know, read it in many film uh, writing books as well, which is that um, you know, conflict is what creates story. Um, and I think, I don't know. I I feel like I've seen far too many films where that's been taken to heart, and yeah, you know, you're not allowed to have a scene where people aren't arguing with each other over something. <laughs> and conflict doesn't have to be people punching each other yeah. and you know threatening to murder each other. Every scene, you know, actually, you know, a little bit of harmony is is just as dramatic. I think, yeah, because there is you know there is internal conflict, and you know, conflict need not necessarily be on the surface. Um, so, you know, I really enjoy the harmonious scenes, scenes of kind of several women talking together um, and, and, you know, not arguing and you know not really having much of an agenda. Yeah. And, you know, that's actually it's a joyous thing to watch. My comment earlier about how it would be this film, if it were made today, yeah. would be quite different mm. is largely based around the idea that in 1999, for you to tell somebody that you had HIV, yeah. um, it was was like announcing that you were going to be dead in the next nine months. Yeah. Yep. Um. And you know, and what a glorious world we live in now that this is not the case yeah. anymore, and that there are um, millions of people living with HIV and getting on with their lives. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Great point. Um, Whereas um, Lola's character seems is in a very bad way when he comes to that that uh, yeah that uh, the memorial service or the burial service for um, for Penelope Cruz's character Rosa. So it's yeah, you know, it's another thing to be um, yeah, another thing to be joyful about. There are joyful themes in both of these yeah. films for all the drama. Uh, earlier on, before we started recording, yeah. you were going to explain to me about the difference between European Spanish characters and South American characters in this film. Yeah. But I didn't quite, I didn't let you finish you the thought. Didn't. How does that work? You didn't. Um, there in both of these films, um, I think it's kind of subtle, but. 
Almodovar sort of uses the central, the South American characters kind of as scapegoats or um, makes commentaries on them that aren't aren't so flattering. <laughs> I don't know how intentional it is, but in All About My Mother, um, I guess the most the most decadent character is the Lola character who we only miss. Um, Oh, we only meet at the very end of the film, but yeah, you know, only, only rolls up. At the yeah, end. he's talked about, and he's Argentine. I think Manuel is also Argentine, so they, they sort of were a couple. They moved to Spain together, and uh, he's kind of debaucherous. He uh, definitely is a philanderer. He uh, is a drug user. He ends up becoming a transgender character, um, and it just struck me that Almodovar chose to have an Argentine um, serve that that part. And then in Parallel Mothers. Um, Arturo says that the baby that he has with Janice couldn't possibly be his because because the baby's too dark. Oh. And then I think it's Penelope Cruz had a grandfather who was Venezuelan or something like that. So in both films, there's sort of a uh, he sort of a, um, I guess uh, he assigns. I don't know. It's, it's not really blame necessary, but he explains certain faults um, by. Uh, assigning the, those faults to the, the South American characters. And it's it's just very interesting because I think, you know, the, those countries, uh, Argentina and uh, Venezuela, are sort of born out of Spanish conquest. And uh, But I think the Spanish consider them, themselves very different um, from uh, South Americans or Central Americans um, who they uh, they certainly sort of spawned or who they, who they generated in, in the New World. So they were just... Two little things that struck me as being a little odd. Um, I wonder. I wonder if that is self-conscious or whether that is an un, an unconscious yeah. bias. It's fascinating. Was it was it obvious to you? Because yeah. I'm afraid the whole Argentina thing completely passed me by. Yeah. Was it obvious to you from their accents? Not or? not particularly. I felt like they had Spanish okay. actors uh, doing a little Argentine thing in there, but not. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't jump out at me. But it did jump out that okay. they he, that he this you know they had to come from some other place and I don't know if they had they had to be from Argentina so that she could feel less rooted somehow or or that they could feel freer when they got I think there was this this hint that they were things were too uptight in their Argentina or something like that they had to go to uh, Spain to be themselves or something like that and I think that ties in with that the, that that theme of Agrado being you know about having you have to become your your best self or the self that you dream of in order to be your true self um you know how his films play in south america i don't i presume yeah. i'm guessing he must have a an audience there yeah i think oh. he's probably you know he's probably in the spanish language he's probably the most successful and most famous director i i, I can't think of anyone in either on either continent or anywhere in the world who has his kind of success or notoriety. So I'm sure they, you, they, they're they very familiar a, with his work, whether I don't know how they enjoy it, though. It would be a, surely it would be a foolish Spanish-language filmmaker to deliberately cheese off the whole of South yeah, America. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> where, where 75% of your entire exactly, international market yeah, is. Exactly, but it, it, those moments did strike me, and, you know, I was a little uncomfortable with them, maybe unnecessarily. Maybe I'm too woke on that or something, but it did strike me as curious that in each uh, film there's something about the the South Americans or that feels, I don't know, lower quality or, or less humanized or something like that. So something to think about. Do you, do you think Almodovar has moved on over these the, the 22 years between these moves, movies? Has he changed 
Or does he? I mean, my little my little list of motifs makes it seem like he's simply made the same film again, but shuffled the shuffled the cards around and turned some of them upside down, but basically made the same film. Do you feel like he's evolved in those twenty years? Because all about my mother is like a mid career film for him. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not like an early. At this film. point, I would call it mid career. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and right before um, Talk to Her, which I think he actually won a original screenplay Oscar for that. Mm. Um, so kind of at the height of his powers. I think he's more restrained and I think Parallel Mothers is more uh, more subtle than um, the earlier works. I think, you know, he had some pretty yeah. crazy stuff and, you know, lots of transgender stuff and... and um, lots of sexuality issues in some of the earlier f- films. But I think... I think he has matured in the same way that I hope we have matured as cultures as well to accept uh, um, accept people who are you know earlier considered outsiders, I guess. And I think right. and yep. he used to be kind of over the top, I think for sure. And you know, he his characters over the top. Like you can think of Agrado as being sort of an older, over the top uh, transgender character. Um, and there are no, I don't think there are any characters that are that over the top in Parallel Mothers or um, some of the more re- recent films, but. Um, I think he's consistent. I would say definitely very consistent. Right. Maybe a <laughs> bit a more mature and a bit more restrained than he was as a younger man. I, th- I found it very interesting, especially um, watching Parallel Mothers, that uh, here is a filmmaker who has very much a reputation for being kind of you know, edgy on uh, sexual politics topics. And yet here, kind of the, 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 the central unifying theme of the film is about an overtly political rather than sexually yeah. political topic yeah. it's about the legacy of fascism i i was you know thrilled to see that you know here's a um, a filmmaker talking about the history of fascism in europe and especially given you know current events and world events yeah. um and, and you know we talked about much the same thing this is another strand that we're picking up from um uh or oh, uh, red notice that was it yeah. um that uh films need to address the history and the legacy and the possibility of fascism, and I'm glad when they do. Yeah, so good to see that. I think he does it really, really well in this film. I had my doubts early on, but and as I said earlier, I, th- I don't think he could have done it before. I think he's at the time in his life and in the time of Spanish history and human history where he could do this. He did it, and uh, kudos to him. And I was really happy to see these two films because I actually liked both of them, and I just think he's a great storyteller. I think he doesn't need the money shots. When he does it, it's actually laughable, but I think um, he shoots beautiful films without them, and he just has yep. good stories and good characters, and there's not enough of that. And you know, I, I, I've sort of gone away from Almodovar at times in, the, in, in my lifetime, but ultimately he's really one of my favorite filmmakers, and I think it's just because he tells good stories with interesting people, and he knows how to do it. He does, and it is getting effortless for him. I think this film looks really uh, easy. It's kind of an easy film to get into, even if it might have some difficult issues. It's really easy to watch and it's really easy to get into. So I told you, I'm not very familiar with this work. If I was going to watch one other Almodovar movie this 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 week, yeah. um, which one do you think I should rent? Um, I love a film called Matador, which is kind of um, disturbing. It's, it's definitely more violent than uh, some of his other <laughs> films. Um, I think I would get that. I think uh, Victoria Abril is absolutely hilarious in a film called um, Time Me Up, Time Me Down with Antonio Banderas. It's a little bit ridiculous, mm. but that's what an Almodovar film used to be. It was really ridiculous. So 
Um, yeah, I would think those two would be good starts. I loved Matador, and maybe I was a young man and I didn't have access to a lot of uh, European films at that time, but I did see it, you know, I think it came out in maybe 88 or 90, somewhere in there, and um, really entertaining and very, very Spanish film. So I would I'd probably recommend those two, but you can go back um, earlier to Law of Desire or um, um, also uh, What Have I Done to Deserve This, which is a 1980s film, so... Mm. But I think he's been doing this for 45, 46 years or something like that. So there's a lot to choose from, for sure. So he's kind of figured it out by now, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) He's got to the stage where he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He is a a master storyteller. He's just been doing it for so long. I think he's he's that good. They're not always great, great stories, but they're definitely... You can see the story, and you, you can... You can flow with the story. I guess that's what it is. Sometimes you have to work a little hard to, to believe something or uh, to not believe something. But um, with him, you, I think it's he takes you on a really nice ride every time. Story and character is yeah. It's, it's story and character. That's what it is, isn't yeah. it? Well, this is great. I, I, well, I really enjoyed both these films. Um, it was a good suggestion. I did too. Um, so uh, this has been the Two Real Cinema Club. Um, all About My Mother is available on most of the streaming services and Parallel Mothers is in cinemas in the UK at the moment. And I think it's, you know, even though it's a last, it's a 21 production, I think yeah. it's, you know, it's it's available theatrically around the world wherever cinemas are open currently. Um, I've really enjoyed this one. Um, and uh, I hope you'll tune in for the next Real Cinema Club. Until then, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.